Kindness. Why kindness? Because it makes a difference. For connection. Kindness can change lives. It's contagious. The science says you'll be glad you did. Kindness is the key to a healthier, happier world. Why kindness? While no one answer is the same, one thing is clear. Kindness is something we all know, but do we know why it matters? I'm your host, Jacqueline Lindsay, co-founder CEO of Kindness.org, and you're listening to Why Kindness. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Why Kindness podcast. This is your host, Jacqueline Lindsay. I am honored to welcome our esteemed guest today, Dr. Catherine Buchanan. Catherine is an applied social psychologist based at the University of Essex in the United Kingdom. She's passionate about making a positive difference to individuals and society and has consistently found through her research and personal experiences, kindness is a powerful way to do that. When we think about how we want to showcase kindness and the incredible role it plays in building a better world, I can think of no one better than to welcome to this show than Dr. Buchanan. So with that, let's say hello. Hello, hello. Hi, Catherine. Thank you for joining us today. Hello. Thank you for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to be here. We're so honored to talk to you about the work you're doing and how you're studying kindness and what you're learning about it. And we'll definitely get more into that. But true to the name of the show, Why Kindness, what would you say in response to why kindness? Why not kindness? Mm. Mm -hmm. Kindness for me is a little spark of humanity from one person to another, thrown, shown through an act of helpfulness, generosity, or thoughtfulness. It's kind of like a little nod of acknowledgement that says, I see you, you matter. And you know what? I do care. When did you become interested in studying kindness? Um, so it was the summer um, of my undergraduate, my bachelor's, and it was time for me to choose to do my very first piece of research. And I was reading this general magazine um, called Psychologies, and it featured Sonia Lubomirsky's work about kindness. And she's she's kind of like the happiness queen. Um, she's at, at Riverside in California at the university there, and she has her own happiness lab. Um, and I was so inspired to think that happiness was a thing that you could study and that people could take part in a happiness experiment. And um, she was reporting some work she'd done on the benefits of kindness. And I really wanted to see these for myself. Mm. So... I decided that I was going to do a happiness experiment too. Um, and I really liked the idea of it because as a psychology student, often we take part in a lot of experiments um, for professors and lecturers. And sometimes these experiments can be quite, you know, hard going and a little onerous. And sometimes you get to the end of it and you feel like you've contributed to science. But what have you got for you? And I really liked the idea of being able to give my participants a chance at a little more happiness, a little more satisfaction with their lives. Wow. Okay. So tell us what happened with this experiment or the first, I'm assuming of many that you endeavored into with your research. Yeah. So this was my very first one. Um, and I recruited willing family and friends to take part in a happiness experiment. I told them, don't worry, <laughs> you might not get happier. <laughs> So, you know, please don't see me if you don't. So a, a little disclaimer there as well. Um, and I told them that rather vaguely, 
that they would be asked to do something um, or maybe not <laughs> once a day for 10 days. And some people were brave enough to go through to the next process and they answered a questionnaire about how satisfied they were with their lives and then they were randomly allocated to one of three conditions so the no treatment control condition which they did nothing the kindness condition in which they did an act of kindness every day for seven days very small things you know letting someone in front of you whilst you're doing your supermarket shopping opening a door for someone um, reuniting someone with their lost things giving a genuine compliment you know nothing nothing sort of massive like donating um, a kidney <laughs> so so low low kind of level kindness but still kindness nonetheless and still important and then in another condition um I had them do new things, so acts of novelty, things they'd never done before. And again, these were sort of things that could be easily incorporated incorporated into their everyday. Um, so things like learning a few phrases of Japanese or trying something new off the menu they'd never tried or going to a new park that they'd not been to before. And so they did this for 10 days. And then at the end, I asked them again, how satisfied are you with your life? And then I compared three groups to see um, how, how this kind of little mini experiment had affected them. And those in the kindness condition and those in the novelty condition, they both had significant improvements to how satisfied they were with their lives. Wow. And so you took it from there and then you decided to pursue a PhD. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about the journey there. What specifically did you study? What are the questions you're interested in answering? So I still kind of maintain this interest in kindness, but I started to think about other motivations we have um, as well. So there's, there's something called the big two um, as a framework. And one of these two is communion. And this is kind of kind acts, but also connecting with others. So it's a little mm -hmm. broader than just kindness itself. And then there's agency, which is kind of more of an ambitious, goal-oriented, achievement-focused mindset. Um, and so I was interested to see how these two different kind of behaviors would affect various different dimensions of well-being so we talk about subjective well-being which is kind of our mood and how we feel um, but also more kind of eudaimonic measures of well-being so how satisfied we are with our lives um, so that that was kind of one question my mm -hmm. PhD thesis ended up being called which way to happiness getting ahead which is kind of agency or getting along which is communion mm -hmm. And the simple answer is both. Both are effective. Um, but communion is slightly more effective for eudaimonic well-being. So kind of satisfaction with life and agency or getting ahead mm -hmm. is more effective for kind of yeah, more, more kind of mood-based things. So feeling mm -hmm. positive emotions and a lack of negative emotions. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you reflect on how kindness shaped you, you as Catherine, not as a researcher, but just as a human, what are some of your earliest memories, maybe your first memory that you have of, of kindness? So um, as a small child, I was, I was very imaginative and I like to role play as being different things. Um, 
So on one occasion, I was a tortoise and there was one of these lovely stools um, that you could kind of sit on the bottom of the ledge where people would um, would usually put their feet. And I was pretending to be this tortoise. And of course, I got stuck. Um, so my mum took me around to the neighbour's house. She was very kind and she rescued me. And this went on for some time. Another time I was being um, Santa Claus and I had this very cute little Tommy Tippy house um, that was very miniature and it had this lovely chimney that was at kind of right angles. And I managed to wedge my entire foot in there. So again, I was carried next door to the neighbor and she, she cut my tights off of me, poured some baby oil and freed me from a, an eternity of being Santa Claus. Wow. Was the neighbor a doctor? I love that your mom just <laughs> kept kept going to the neighbor. <laughs> oh, and how old were you? That's definitely formative. I, I'd say maybe about three or four, young enough to enjoy role playing, but not old enough to realize the consequences of getting mm. stuck in things. Mm -hmm. I also got and stuck in our uh, VHS player, you know, the oh. videotapes that we had. <laughs> I, I was being a postman. <laughs> I posted something in it. Uh, did you go to the neighbor for that one? Yeah. <laughs> Get old trusty neighbor. Amazing. And tell me then from there within childhood, what was, if any, uh, role was kindness playing in school or how you were growing up? Did you find yourself always drawn to it? Did you have words for it? Say. So, Kindness, I always felt this sense that I wanted to include everyone as a child. And I think for me, that's that's what kindness was, that sense of making sure people didn't feel ostracized, weren't on the outside, welcoming them in, including people, um, that kind of thing. As I, as I got older, I enjoyed the kind of, um, I guess, spontaneity in some of the acts of kindness. And I, I particularly enjoy this kind of random acts of kindness thing, mm. this movement. Um, as I've got older, actually, I like the idea of more thoughtful kindness. So mm. making sure there's that match between that kind behavior you, you want to do and the recipient. Are they going to appreciate it? Is it going to be valued? Um, is it going to empower them rather than undermine them? Mm -hmm. And so now I've kind of, I still like the spontaneity and kindness, but I think mm -hmm. spontaneous but thoughtful <laughs> acts exactly. of kindness. Love that. It really resonates with how we think about the work we're doing at kindness.org and trying to steer away from the vernacular that kindness is random and help people have a reframing that every act makes a difference and uh, uh, there's nothing random when you choose kindness you're still making the choice to do it so it might just be the smaller acts show up differently but they all do take time thought a moment of you recognizing that somebody needs something and being willing to choose it so very resonant with how you think about that is there anything that you recall as far as unkindness and your experiences that you may have witnessed or had that also shaped your understanding of it? No, I, I think it's always been a kind of a value that my parents prioritized and my grandma as well. Um, she, she would always say how important it is to be kind. And um, I went to a Christian school as well. Although I'm not a Christian now, I, uh, some of these values 
including kindness still resonate with me mm-hmm. yeah I think that is like a difficult complex idea which is so many people around the world get their values from some form of faith and upbringing and how that evolves and adapts as we grow older. Would you be open to sharing a little bit of your journey with that, how kindness was retained for you or a value that you stuck with, even if you didn't stick with the religion, if you will? Mm. So I can kind of remember some of the good Samaritan stories that we were taught and also um, one about I've got quite a vivid memory of this, actually. Um, We were sitting in the school assembly and our head teacher, he had these very bouncy shoes and he used to spring along and walk as he narrated the story. And he was telling us about how in hell there was an abundance of food and in heaven there was also an abundance of food. And in both places, um, the citizens were given very long chopsticks. But in heaven, all the people were using these to feed each other with. Whereas in hell, they weren't. They were all fighting about how they could get to the food. And everyone was going hungry because they hadn't been considerate. And I think at some level, that really resonates because the times in which I've been happiest through my life are those where relationships have been going well for me, collaborations have been strong, Mm -hmm. teamwork's at the forefront of, of what I've been doing. Wow. Um, what a story. Um, I, I am so fascinated by lessons like that and how they have a ripple effect in ways that we might never know or understand. Um, and that's, that's, uh, really interesting. Are you by chance in touch with anyone from those school days who also heard these same lessons? Have you seen, I mean, it's not quite an experiment, I guess, officially, but like, have you seen how other people were affected by that? Yeah, so I am still in touch with people from my primary school days. And I can see that also it's important to them to value kindness and to make a difference in the world. So one of these people that I'm thinking of is a friend I've had since I was about five. And she's now a journalist for the BBC. um, And reporting on politics well I bet she sees both sides there (laughs) (laughs) yes actually Um, we had some very interesting discussions about the work I did around the benefits of media covering um, kindness within the stories yeah so let's get into some of your recent research um so fascinating and I want to definitely unpack and learn more about um your role and what you're doing uh so some of the research I read we can start with the article uh that was published October 2021 and that was looking at um the doom scrolling through Mm. COVID so would love to hear a little bit um more about what led you to do that study tell us like the premise what you set out to do and what you learned through it Mm. so um me and some really lovely colleagues Gillian Sandstrom, Lara Aikman and Shaba Lowton we had all been planning this big kindness study, kind of a scavenger hunt where people used an app to spot kindness happening on campus and kind of unfolding before their eyes to see whether seeing kindness is enough to make us happier. Um, mm. I think we've seen over and over again in the research that doing kindness 
does have positive and societal benefits for the individual receiving kindness also very nice but less is known about kind of simply seeing it Hmm. so this was our angle and then of course COVID happened and we all got locked down (laughs) and it would not have been at all ethical or realistic for us to um, unleash participants on campus and to count kindness Mm -hmm. so we took our study online instead um, and we noticed that actually there was a lot of kindness happening in in response to COVID and actually that's one of the remarkable things about disasters is that people respond with compassion with kindness Mm -hmm. and I think that's always heartening to see but I also suspect that it's a soul it kind of serves the purpose as a kind of coping mechanism too Mm -hmm. it's something that we can do no matter how small in the face of something absolutely massive Mm. and it shows a kind of solidarity that's really effective for community building Mm -hmm. so we designed this experiment online um, and we either directed participants to watch or to spend two to five minutes engaging in Twitter and they either read information about COVID, so all the stuff that was happening in COVID, the kind of the death rates, the spreads, um, sort of all the, the kind of the grim reality that was unfolding before everyone's eyes. Or we had people read about the acts of kindness that were happening in response to COVID. Um, so in the UK, we had lots of people putting up signs for our health service for the NHS, saying that mm-hmm. we supported them, putting teddies in the windows for children to see on their um, government-mandated once-a-day walk, um, and people supporting local businesses when we were in Aoutsi with ordering takeaways to be delivered to our houses. Mm-hmm. Um, or teachers going and visiting pupils but observing social distancing to drop off learning materials. Um, All all these kind of small uh, things that people were doing but that were there nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we also had another condition because we wanted to see whether it's not just, oh, it's kind of uplifting because it it makes your mood better. So Mm -hmm. we had an amusement condition too. Um, and let me tell you, it's very hard to find something that people agree is universally amusing. <laughs> amusing is like this big, broad spectrum of things. Um, but we settled on, I think we settled on dad jokes in the end. Oh, um, that's a good one. <laughs> I would have loved to see the contenders, <laughs> but dad jokes is a good one. Yeah. And again, it had to be a, a real live Twitter stream. And, mm. and there is a real live Twitter stream called at dad jokes or something similar. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we trialed that. And actually what we found is that the COVID information condition, you know, just two to five minutes of reading those tweets, people's mm. mood absolutely plummeted. Mm-hmm. Um, we had hypothesized and I think expected and hoped because we're not robots. <laughs> Um, to see that reading about kindness in response to COVID would have a more positive effect than the dad jokes or the no treatment control condition. But the results just weren't especially compelling and weren't there. Mm -hmm. And the main kind of takeaway was 
that you know this this COVID and this kind of omnipresence of it and the inescapability of it just wasn't enough even with the kindness and because the kindness was another reminder of the pandemic I think Mm -hmm. it wasn't possible to separate out the two Mm -hmm. and so in the end the study basically lent itself more to just show that the the doom scrolling and the focus on COVID had negative uh, implications or negative effects on results on the participants okay yeah, I am definitely guilty of the doom scrolling and uh, it's almost like an outlet for me when I feel stressed or something mm. um, that I go to the news as a distraction. I'm not active on social media um, and the news has become that place where I find myself scrolling. Curious in any adjacent way, do you have thoughts on why we're drawn to negative mm. news, um, because I know you had a second study that also looked at news, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But curious what you can tell us for anyone out there listening who also <laughs> finds themselves doom scrolling. Um, what is it that we're drawn to with that? I think in times of uncertainty, it sort of feels very important to know what's going on, what's happening in mm-hmm. COVID. That's how we found out the information about what we were allowed to do from day to day mm-hmm. outside of COVID. I think we're kind of hardwired to attend to threats and that's kind of an evolutionary hangover because mm-hmm. threats are the things that are kind of, you know, going to impact our survival rates. And so they kind of light up our brain and we go, bing, 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 must pay attention to that, must remember that, must be on top of you know, knowing where we are with that. Mm -hmm. And do you have thoughts on um, why the hypothesis, you know, you set out to try and show didn't come true? Any, yeah, like, was it Mm. because there wasn't enough time spent, two to five minutes maybe if they had more time or, um, yeah, what what were your thoughts with the results? I think what was really interesting in this is that some people just didn't believe that kindness was was a thing that was happening in their community. Um, so wow. they were seeing it kind of play out on social media and they were thinking, that's that's very lovely, but that's not my reality. This isn't happening to me right here. Because um, it, it was a global study, not just kind of a UK-centric thing. And I think we have pockets of communities where maybe this, this kind of kindness thing is easier, mm-hmm. whereas in other places you know, it's, it's perhaps less prevalent. I I think reading through the comments that people made, some, some were talking about how actually they weren't doing enough. They felt like Mm. they could be doing more kindness and this had kind of shown them up as being not as good as these people that were going above and beyond. Mm. And then there was, of course, Um, some political views feeding into it around we shouldn't be standing outside clapping the NHS Mm. we should be giving them the protective gear they need we should be paying them and recognizing Mm -hmm. them outside of citizens standing outside their house clapping every Thursday Mm. at a certain time Mm. so there was kind of sort of you know 
viewpoints feeding into that mm-hmm. um, that made it more nuanced. But also I think it was just, it was that reminder, yes, kindness was happening, but COVID was happening too. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to separate the kindness from the kind of awful, tragic backdrop of what was happening in this pandemic. Okay, so so you did that. I don't know what other research happened between that and the next paper I read, which was published this year. I found this one to be so fascinating. Um, it looked to be two different studies, part of like a larger single study where you were looking at terrorist attacks um, mm. and kindness. That was, uh, was it kindness media related to the terrorist attacks or kind acts in response to the terrorist attacks? Kind acts in the wake of the terrorist in the wake act. Of, yeah. So tell us, I, I'm really fascinated by this one and the results. So just unpack a little bit again, similarly, what you and your team set out to do, how you did it and what you discovered. Yeah. So as, as I was saying earlier, I think um, as researchers, we have a privilege to research the things that mean the most to us. Mm-hmm. Um, one day I was driving into work and there was a lot of coverage of the Ariana Grande concert bombing. Um, and this made me feel really quite sad and emotional. Um, and then there was some slightly different coverage that was around the acts of kindness that were happening after that. Um, and the Huffington Post had put together a nice kind of video compilation that I watched called Five Acts of Kindness that happened in the wake of the Manchester bombing Mm. and I watched that and I noticed that I felt a little better still emotional still moved to tears but this feeling that oh thank goodness there are good people out there and they're doing good things Mm -hmm. Um, so this this kind of sense of relief as well and I wanted to know is this just a me thing do other people get this too And so I started to read and I found out about something called elevation. Mm -hmm. And elevation is this response we get when we see um, others' acts of moral beauty. And they can be things like kindness. So kindness is a really um, potent elicitor of elevation. And it involves physiological feeling of feeling kind of a warmth in the chest, that kind of warm fuzziness. Um, But feeling moved to and like humanity isn't so bad after all Mm -hmm. but also feeling inspired to be a better person to be a better human to emulate those kind acts Um, so I thought this was kind of interesting and I wondered whether seeing these this kind of kindness that happens in response to a terrorism attack can kind of counteract or alleviate some of those kind of horrific feelings we get about the incident um Mm -hmm. so I set up an experiment and showed people either videos of the terrorism in Manchester or the video or videos of the terrorism in Manchester followed by the five acts of kindness that happened in response to the terrorism act Mm -hmm. and I measured their mood before they watched these videos and then I measured their mood again afterwards Mm -hmm. Um, and people who's you know pairing pairing this terrorist attack with the footage of the kindness that happened afterwards was very powerful in alleviating some of this kind of emotional 
carnage almost mm-hmm. that just seeing the pain and suffering of other people mm-hmm. had provoked. Wow. And related was then news of immoral things or, you know, things that mm. people were doing, meanness, um, cruelty. I think it was things like kidnapping, yeah. uh, bullying. Um, so tell us about that. So the second study was inspired by this idea that actually the first study just focused on terrorism. Maybe this was kind of some unique effect specific to terrorist-related news, and we wanted to see if it was more generalizable to other media, and also if the kindness could be completely unrelated to the immorality, Mm. just there's bad in the world, but hey, here's some good too, and yes, the good isn't directly addressing that bad, but it's a reminder that there is good out there. Mm -hmm. And you're right, we showed people this, this time not videos, because videos are very evocative. So we wanted to see whether it works just with prints, printed mm. images, like mm-hmm. you'd see kind of on a on a flat screen in your news app. Um, and so the immorality stories were things like paedophilia, um, bullying of adolescents, homicide, um, very dark stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and the acts of kindness were sort of things like hairdressers helping the homeless um, by giving the hair haircuts before they have interviews for jobs. Mm. Um, uh, a vet who rescued um, pets, um, homeless people's pets, and made them sort of fix them up and got them all back to good health again. Hmm. Wow. And what did you discover? So we found the same thing again. So following news stories of immorality with news stories of kindness have some very real personal and social benefits. So the people in the immorality and kindness condition um, had fewer um, negative emotions and greater positive emotions, um, but they were also more likely to believe that the world was a better place. So they had a positive outlook about how kind people is and how kind the world in general is when we think about this work we try to combine we say science with solutions so we do applied work what would be your recommendation to our listeners of what to do with research results like this um is it adding you know kindness uh channels that you follow or how could they Mm. implement this so that perhaps they themselves can reap these benefits so yes there are kindness radio channels out there Mm. there are kindness news stories um it was I was interviewed by the Huffington Post and the journalist who interviewed me says that often she covers kindness news stories and she could see my research play out in the comments sections because people were saying it's so um, refreshing to see this. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what I needed to get me out of bed today. Yeah. Of course, it's contentious as a topic as well. Um, and by no means was my research ever saying, don't tell us about the horrific atrocities that are happening in the world. But what it says is, let's try and bring a little bit more 
balance mm-hmm. to our lives and to remember that there is goodness out there and there is kindness. And you can even set up news alerts for stories mm-hmm. on kindness or if kindness isn't necessarily your thing, solution-focused um, stories that show that, you know, it's not just all problems and mess. There are people doing things to tackle some of these and we're not helpless and doomed yeah okay so follow news channels or read the stories that are sharing more of those positive moments and acts that are taking place I hear there's a great kindness podcast out there people can listen to to be inspired (laughs) about it Um, so that's a great reminder and uh, I am curious now what's ahead for you? What are some of the research projects you're most excited about in these next couple of years? So I actually am leaving academia in October. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully (laughs) your university knows. (laughs) I have told them. Um, wow, tell us more. I am resigning so that I can concentrate on retraining um, as a counselor or I think I think you might call it a psychotherapist in the States. Okay. Wow. So what will that entail? Um, so I've already started. Um, I've been working part-time as a lecturer for a little while now. Wow. Um, and I've done, uh, I think, about a year of training now. Um, so... It's a funny thing because although I'm a psychologist and it seems like I should be able to just counsel people from the get-go, actually it's a very different set of skills. Mm. Um, So I've been practicing my active listening, my empathy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my unconditional positive regard, Mm. learning about different um, therapeutic models. Mm. Wow. And um, are you comfortable sharing what led you to do this, take this leap? Mm-hmm, I am. So I really love the research side of things. And I've it's been so amazing to research the things that I'm passionate about. And I'd like to continue doing it um, in the future. But I kind of reached a point where I was juggling so many plates. Not only was I trying to produce world-leading, internationally renowned research, I was also trying to teach students. And I had lots of amazing dissertation students, um, undergraduates and postgraduates, but there were quite a few of them. I was also pressured to produce impact studies to show the research is making a difference in the community Mm -hmm. um, and to get grants in. I also have two small children. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Two and a half year old and a five year old. And at some point, it just felt like I'm spinning so many plates and Mm -hmm. I want to step back and think about how I can help people which I'm passionate about doing in a new way and Mm. not just feel as though I'm researching them, but feel like I'm connecting with them and I'm Mm -hmm. making a difference. Wow. Thank you. Um, I think the big world of research has a place and that's why we're committed to it. You know, science helps move conversations forward. It gives us um, foundational blocks to keep building on for the future state of humanity. And 
there's such power in getting down to the individual level and doing the work on a one-on-one basis. And I just think it's incredible that you were able to get that pendulum swing and um, experience both sides in your life. And kudos for listening to yourself. I think a lot of internal kindness is the willingness to pay attention to those things. Uh, We live in a world for good, for bad, but there's a lot of constructs of what it's meant to look like, what life is supposed to look like, and we don't always pay attention to those things. So thank you for sharing that journey with us. It's a pleasure. It's, It's a dream of mine to continue the kindness research in some capacity, but sort of at a lower level, maybe one day a week and not balancing it against the other commitments that inevitably you know inevitably come with being a um an academic mm-hmm. in a university I have a five-year-old and my two-year-old's almost three um so curious for any parents listening uh or any caregivers anyone out there that is in front of children do you have like your one-liner that you say to your kids to talk about kindness or to instill kindness in them? Um. (laughs) (laughs) I say a fair amount, much more than I would like to. That's not very helpful now, is it? But no, in all seriousness, I, I try and practice compassion towards um, my children. Yesterday, my son thought he would like to decorate my sofa. I have a leather sofa. And he decided that he would engrave some stars into it with his fingernails. And did lots of scratching. I was thinking, why? <laughs> why would you do this? And he said, I wanted to make it pretty for you, mommy. Oh, Oh my goodness. I sort of take a big deep breath. (laughs) And I said, I can see that. Thank you. Yes, receive it. And then I went and got the leather polish. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I talk about being a helper. And the other day, my five year old um, basically uh, was like trying to get uh, my, my little one to. Um, put put clothes on so he's like holding him tight and he's like putting it you know the shirt over and my two-year-old screaming and I said I said is this being helpful and he said yes I'm trying to be a helper and get him dressed (laughs) (laughs) then I had to reframe you know he's thinking mommy talks about being kind being a helper and this is me helping even though he's screaming for me to stop he felt like he was doing the right thing so it's uh it's really interesting seeing kindness through the lens of kids Mm. mine asked me the other day why is it important to be helpful and I said do you like being helped he said yeah I said do you like helping and he said oh yeah I was like there, you go. there we go. <laughs> yes, I love it. But it was very hard to articulate, actually, mm. why it is. Yeah, I think when it's so deeply ingrained, mm-hmm. it's harder to access. Yes, that's true. Um, I think with adults, and we talk about this as a team a lot. The idea we all have the capacity for kindness, but we don't always choose it or activate it or act on it, and it's trying to help figure out those barriers and how to help people overcome those barriers. Um, 
Has that been anything that you've looked at before? That is something I'm very curious about. My hunch is that sometimes people don't have the resources um, in in terms of time or efforts, but also there's a certain amount of bravery in putting yourself out there and doing a kind act in case it's misinterpreted um, or misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be a barrier too. And I do have one last piece of research actually that I'm hoping to get out before I um, quote unquote retire. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, what is it? Um, so I've actually been looking at the darker side of seeing others' kindness. So when we talked about um, seeing kindness in response to COVID um, and why it didn't work, I kind of thought, well, before we go out there and we do the scavenger hunt, asking people to see all of the kind things that are happening, we want to be, you know, we want to check that we're not inadvertently causing people to feel worse rather mm-hmm. than better. Mm-hmm. Um So I designed this kind of study where I collected people's lived experiences of times that they had seen an act of kindness that had made them feel negatively. So there was one story where someone describes their best friend complimenting another girl on how this girl kind of lit up and they felt they're jealous and they wished that they'd been the one to give the compliment, but noticed that they lacked the kind of social skills and confidence to be able to do it. So I think sometimes Mm -hmm. it's kind of empowering people um, to overcome some of these barriers. But uh, the interesting thing is when I looked for the darker reactions to seeing others' kindness, actually I found positive ones. Some of the, some of the darker reactions, like we were concerned about the person um, who was putting themselves in danger to help someone else shows that, they're, they're caring for the people that yes. are doing the kindness and saying yes. who's looking after them. Right. Wow. Um, well, we hopefully get to see that. You think, um, it was, are you submitting it for publication? Yes. So that was okay. the aim before um, October. Before October. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So no wrong answers. This is just me asking quick questions and you saying whatever comes to you. Um, if you could get everyone around the world to do one kind act, what would the act be? Ooh. <laughs> I'm really horrible at this quick stuff because I want to spend so long thinking about it because it's got to be the best <laughs> best kind act in the whole entire actually I would say to be this is giving me inspiration to be kind to themselves actually because until we're kind to ourselves it can be harder to be kind to others yeah like putting your oxygen mask on first okay great define kindness in one word hugs hugs what's the most important thing you've learned about kindness that you want the world to know that's Seeing it and doing it have very real individual and social benefits. It's good for you and it's good for others. Mm -hmm. What book are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading, I'm listening to a book called Sometimes Therapy is Awkward for my book club. (laughs) I love this book club. (laughs) Is it a book club of therapists? (laughs) 
It is. I have founded okay. it. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Teeing up for October, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Um, okay. Well, now we'll end with an act of kindness. And this is really a chance to showcase it and um, bring it to life. So we're working with Verizon. They're our wonderful sponsor of the podcast mm-hmm. for this first season as part of a call for kindness campaign. And so within that, we invite our guests to think about someone that they would want to Mm -hmm. acknowledge or say thank you to um, or affirm them, give them a word of encouragement. And then either in this moment, you can even send the text or you can tell us who's coming to mind that you want to do this act for. Um, And if you want to go call them after or do it, uh, we would just really love to hear about that. So anyone coming to mind? Yes. Um, I have a friend that I've had since I started university called Chelsea. Um, Okay. And she has been there with me through thick and thin. Mm -hmm. And she's the first person I text if something goes right, Mm -hmm. if something goes wrong. And we live far away from each other, but we're in regular contact. And she's my absolute rock of a friend. And I love her dearly. Well, I wish we all could have a friend like that. She sounds amazing. Um, are you are you more of a texter with her? Would you want to try to spontaneously call her now? I could call her, but it would not be very thoughtful because uh, okay. <laughs> she will be putting her children to bed. That's true. Ah, yes, you're in the UK, so it is 7 p.m. for you. Okay, so we are excited to hear how the text goes mm-hmm. um, and reaching out and letting her know what she means to you. Um, so Chelsea's sending you so much love and thank you for your kindness. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Why Kindness podcast, sponsored by our friends at Verizon. To learn more about everything you heard today from our wonderful guests, definitely check out our show notes. We hope you're leaving this episode inspired and reminded that every kind act truly does make a difference. We'd love to hear how you're choosing kindness in your day-to-day. We write back to every email, so let us know what you think. And please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This podcast is one of the many ways we live out our organization's mission to educate and inspire people to choose kindness. Visit our site today at kindness.org and sign up to become a part of our global community, which spans more than 100 countries. It's free to join, and one of the many benefits includes being the first to get access to our latest research tools and even episodes of this podcast. We are so excited to get you involved in building a kinder world. Please tune in next time as we continue to explore this big question, why kindness?